Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kitshanu b'mitzvotah betzivanu, la'asok b'divrei Torah. Veha'arevna Adonai Eloheinu et divrei fi amka b'tisrael, ve'niye anaknu v'zeetze enu v'zeetze e amka b'tisrael. Kulanu yodea shemeka velomde torateka lishma. Baruch atah Adonai hamlamet Torah le'amo Yisrael. Amen. Well, Shalom, Baruch Haba. I'd like to welcome everybody to the new series for Bereshis, uh, for Bereshit, Seth for Bereshit. Um, you know, as of the GT series, I was thinking, you know what? What if each Sefer was its own series? You know, because I'm all in the series, you know, about that series business, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, uh, so there is G.O., G-O is what this is. The letter G and the letter O, if you want to put it in Hebrew, it would be the letter Gimel and the letter Vav with a little dot on top of it, which is called a Cholim. But I digress. So GO is an acronym, of course. Not does it only mean go forward. It's also going to stand for get out. It's also going to stand for go on. It's also going to stand for get it on. It's also going to stand for uh, game face on. Okay, so all of it, because, you know, I am just kind of uh, I'm actually honestly very surprised. Not that I want to say honestly, but I'm just really surprised about what has transpired since the last podcast that I did on this Avengers GT, because I was like, okay, everybody, choose your characters and go. Uh, yeah, so the firmaments have been shaking ever since then because what in the world? Okay, craziness. So I want to go ahead and just start out with Adi Abira, which is uh, the Shomer version of Misty Knight from the Lukot Cage, the Luke Cage series. So shouts out to Benita on that. Shouts out to our other new Avenger. Uh, I didn't mention her last time, but I should have Sakina. So we have Shuri from Jukanda, the weapons maker guru, crazy person with it, always in the lab, super quiet, not really, but loves cracking jokes. That person, yes, that is McKenna. Shouts out to her. Uh, we also have, in case I didn't mention, Star Aiel, who is our Star-Lord uh, Avenger. That is Mr. Austin Hall. Shouts out to you. He is definitely living up to his name because he's traveling all across the world right now. Well, at least the U.S. anyway. But we can go ahead and call that the world, the cosmos, just because we can take some artistic license on that. But anyway, so shouts out to Star Aiel, Mr. Quill. And we also have Cola, which is our Shoma version of Storm. Get you some. So, yes, that is Celia, Violent Lady. And I cannot believe I did not mention Zolan's parents. Efrati and Masreya. Yes, that is right. Efrati is the Black Knight and Masreya is Spectrum. So let's talk about Masreya for a little bit because I'm super excited about both of these characters. 
Um, I'm going to say the, I'm not going to say the best for last, but I'm going to say he's kind of the best, you know, because apparently Black Knight is like all the biz right now. Like, I'm just minding my own business, and it's like, hey, did you know how important Black Knight was? And I'm like, no, I didn't. Okay, thanks a lot. I don't I don't have time to read this right now. And it's like, no, you should, because three days later, a different article about Black Knight and how important he is comes up. But anyway, so we're going to talk about Efrati in just a second. But this is Shalom and Shayna Ruth, okay? So Shayna Ruth is Masreya, and if you've seen the Captain Marvel movie, you know that little girl that was adjusting Captain Marvel's suit? And she grows up to become a superhero, by the way. So by the time the Avengers Endgame movie rolls around, Masreya is actually grown up in, like, crime fighting and stuff. So that little girl, her name is Spectrum in the comics. And so Masreya is this whole thing about the, the rays of light of the tour that shine forth, basically. So that's Masreya. And then on top of that, Ephrati is literally the word for noble man. And, you know, Mr. Shalom, let's just talk to you for one moment, for a second. Okay, you are very super important, apparently, uh, in the comics. And so there's a whole lot that's going to be coming out with the Immortals movie that's going to connect him in some kind of way, apparently. So whatever is going on, uh, you, sir, are causing quite the stir. So that's cool. Uh, very powerful character. So if you don't know much about the Black Knight, uh, check him out. And that is our very own Shalom. So cool kid off the block and um yeah so he's really cool so those are our new ones we have an unofficial reed richards i'm just saying i'm calling him out right now he knows who he is uh he's floating between the the torch and uh nick fury right now but pretty sure he's mr fantastic but you know we'll talk about that later anyway why am i taking all this time to say this because it's super important game face on because here's the deal what we are tapping into is the higher layers of the worlds you know because where do your thoughts come from where does your imagination come from yes that's exactly what we're tapping into you ever wonder why when you're davening or when you're studying torah that like your mind just wants to run all crazy and think about stuff you ain't ever thought about in a while or things that are really just impressing your mind, all the what if situations and things like that. Well, that's a part of it. You're actually supposed to be mastering those things, not suppressing them. Because that's one of the most powerful tools of worship, your imagination. The cool thing about these characters, though, is it's not really imagination. Literally, these superpowers and abilities are what is the key element, you know, because many people that I've talked to so far are like, I don't get how I'm that character, you know, because let me just talk about our sister of blessed memory. Let's talk about Zippor Sheer, Karen of blessed memory. May her name be blessed. When I gave her this name, her character is Songbird. She didn't have a voice and she used to sing and it was like, why would you name me that? <laughs> you know, and it wasn't a confrontational thing. It was actually a very sweet moment, one that I will remember forever. 
and holding back tears obviously as i'm talking about this because i'm i'm like there at that moment right now like her and i are talking it's a habdala and we're sitting around a study table there's books galore everybody's been dropping bombs so there's shrapnel all around and Shomerman and zippor sheer are talking she's like it's so crazy that you would give me that name because like i i don't have a voice and i'm like see that's the thing it's not about having a voice songbird uses music Okay, your voice is really like it's an offshoot of really what your true song is and what your true actual um, ability to sing is. You know, it, it manifests as, oh, you have a beautiful voice. You can sing. But it's like, what's the source of that? Because that really is what you're about. That's why, though you don't sing, you're on the harp, you're on the keyboard and what you are doing with music is way more than just singing, just playing an instrument. And you specifically have that ability to bring forth that element into creation, this element of song, this element of sheer. You know, one of the ways to rearrange Bereshit is Bashir et, in song, the Aleph Tav. You know, so Hashem basically sang creation into existence. Beshir et bara is the way you would put that phrase. Because it's Bereshit bara et, you know. Um, I'm getting all cray cray real quick. Hang on. Let me not misquote the first words of the Torah. What kind of person is this? You know. But anyway, Bereshit bara Elohim et. There we go. Okay, so Beshir et Bada. And then we would go into Elohim et Hashemayim et Ha'aretz. Okay, so cleared that up. Brukshem, Todarabah. Okay, so when you look at Hashem singing creation into existence, you have this whole picture of why do we trope the Torah portions at the Bema? You know, when we read the Torah scroll, why do we sing the brakot? Like, You know, all of that, when we do Baruch Shemo, bless his name. You know, why, why do we sing? And so our sister of blessed memory had this beautiful ability to like truly bring that essence out. And there was, there was even an article that we wrote on our newsletter, our Sar Shalom newsletter about her and, and singing or about her and uh, playing the harp. And really like it's the heartstrings of the shul. All of the amazing things that Hashem showed us through her harp playing. Like this is something like if she sang, it wouldn't have even been like, I mean, I don't even know what it would have been, honestly, but just on the standpoint of what she could do with the harp. Obviously, her voice was really amazing. And so we're not going to take any credit from that. But it's all beyond that, really, is what really got us. What really stuck out to me when I was just like, yeah, you're, you're a songbird. I don't care what anybody says. Like, And then Rabbi going to go ahead and just spike the ball and be like, well at her memorial service uh, that he gave her the name Captain Marvel as well. So now that's just not even fair. So she's just on a whole nother level 
which is why she's enjoying Ghani Din. So that doesn't make it any happier for us as far as taking away the sadness about her not being here. But it does increase our joy and our happiness that, you know, we don't mourn as others mourn. And our sister is, you know, Best Rider Shem will see her soon with the final Geula. So I don't know. I'm just just talking about this just got me all stirred up now. So anyway, so just a just a point to say it's not about these characters look a certain way so that matches you. It's really like what are their abilities? What is their backstory? You know, like some of these characters really like oh my gosh, like I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there for me with the Shomer man like you know, crazy Thought he was top of the world kind of person, you know, and he ended up in a desert, half dead, you know, woke up in a cave full of shrapnel, all this kind of stuff. That literally happened to me, you know, in Christianity, I was, I thought I was the cream of the crop. You know, people were obviously better than me and I knew, but, you know, I can handle my business, you know, and I'm like, man, I got this, you know, I teach dance classes. I got devotionals going with the dance classes. Ain't nobody doing that. Who does a dance and a devotional? How are you going to open up a dance class with prayer and tour study? And then you're going to go in and dance and then you're going to close with prayer and then like really be like ministering to people and like really not, not shaking your butt and like being modest and stuff when you're dancing. Like who does that? You know, and it's just like, <laughs> I sure did, you know. But anyway, obviously I was still in the church and uh, eating pork and stuff and not really celebrating the festivals of Hashem, but you couldn't tell me nothing. But anyway, so if I haven't officially said this by now, yes, I am putting together Parsha Bereshit and Parsha Noach. We're going to mash them all up right now. Okay. So anyway, back to the story. So, you know, and then I ended up finding out about Torah Judaism, came into it, uh, spark flame fire, like going straight through the roof, like could nobody tell me nothing. And then all of a sudden explosion happens and enemies take over take uh you know all my weapons all my stuff and then i end up you know in a cave you know sitting in front of the rabbi and being like yeah so i have no idea anymore about anything i know it's a shaman his mashiach that's pretty much about it we heard all this crazy halakha heard all these crazy mean hagin didn't know there's a such thing as a mean hog, and that's not halakha. And, uh, you know, didn't know that, you know, your bait dean ultimately is in charge. It doesn't matter what halakha exists out there, how the shul runs, how the mishpaka runs, how the community operates is under the leadership and, um, what is it, auspices of the bait dean. You can be as stringent as you want to at home. But when you come to shul, you don't get to run over everybody with an army truck and a, and a forklift and an 18-wheeler, uh, followed by a Boeing 747 jet plane. Like, you don't get to just come in and just, you know, storm the place. So, I, uh, yeah, was basically just kind of out of it, and I ended up having to get the little chess piece thing that, you know, took all the shrapnel out. And, uh, yes, that is Captain Yisrael. And uh, Rebidzin Shoshanov, uh, you know, Black Widow and Captain America, uh, they worked together and uh, brought me back to life. And it was cool because it was a miracle. It's a straight miracle. Bless the name of Hashem for sure. 
learned so much from that. Uh, hence why Shomer Man is probably my lot because, man, knowing these kinds of things and how, you know, all these pitfalls that people can Bezrat Hashem avoid, things that I can hopefully say to help steer people clear, things I can hopefully share from my past experiences and things like that. You know, hopefully it's it's a blessing and hopefully it's a guard and a, and a, um, a help for people, you know, because Shomer means to guard. So there's all of that. And I just want to point that out. You know, when you're looking at your character, like who who are you and what is Hashem going to bring through you as a vessel? Because you begin to mold to that that Hebrew name, you know. So why don't we go ahead and start with Hebrew name? Because, uh, you know, Adam named the animals, right? So Parsha Bereshit, this is this, this insight. I was going to say this end source, which is insight and source. So, um, by the way, I'm just going to let you know, uh, this is the other thing about Go is uh, there isn't a format. So Bezrat Hashem, you've read the Torah portion and you know what's going on. Because, I mean, not that I haven't done this before, but, you know, uh, instead of just like honing in on a verse, I'm just going to hone in on the concepts that are brought down to Torah portions. So, and we're just going to go off. So there's that. There's another acronym. Go off. <laughs> Game face on. Go off. Okay. So Adam named the animals. Okay. So here's the deal. So when you're looking at your Avenger character, that you know this these the name that you choose is actually really cool so i'm going to read this source and i want to swing back over to adi abira okay i just had such a good time with her and lucote cage i got to sit down with them at the oneg table a little bit and talk to them and then ishnatav swam over which is aquaman and blew it up so that was uncalled for we were having such a nice time and then we ended up just soaked but that's cool. That's how he rolls or that's how he waves, I should say. So this is from Rabbi Trugman, a.k.a. Tonka Truck, formerly known as Rabbi Trugman, because over here in America, we think, oh, we know how to say your name. And then we finally hear him speak and we hear uh, the native tongue of Ivreo say his name. And it's like, oh, Rabbi Trugman, Barukaba. And it's like, wait, what? Uh, who is this? That's Rabbi Trugman. And it's just like, no, nah, it's Rabbi Trugman. It's like, okay, well, Rabbi Tonka Truck it is, because that's the only way I'm going to remember to call him Trugman instead of Trugman. Okay, but anyway, so he brings this down about the essence of names. He says this. So, okay, I do have a verse. Bereshit 219 that says, and whatever Adam called each creature, that was his name. Okay, that's our verse. All right, cool. Insight, though. After placing Adam in the garden, the Torah recounts that God paraded all the animals before Adam to see what he would call them. Adam, according to Kabbalah and Hasidut, assessed the fundamental nature of each animal and identified the Hebrew letters that best embodied that quintessential essence. Please understand what that just said. When it comes to names, what ended up happening 
is that there is the nature of each per entity here, because we're going to talk about people now instead of just animals. Okay, so there's a nature that is connected to the letters and the essence that's in this name. So the reason of being Shomer man, okay, not only does it mean that I need to be observant, but everything about what I do is about guarding, giving people sources, giving people uh, insights, helping people connect dots, you know, looking out for the little guy, so to speak, um, surrounding, you know, everybody with an army of suits, you know, um, as Shomer Man or as Iron Man said in the Avengers Age of Ultron movie, oh no, I'm not the boss. I just make everybody look cool. I, I mean, that truly happens, you know, and it's just like, I just want everybody to look so cool. Like, if you need help with your character, holla at me. I got you. I hook you up because, man, I just want people to look cool because. The thing is, is we're all like on the front lines, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, whether we want to be or not, because as a Lapid, that's just what it is. Yeshua didn't cause us to go pick lilies. He called us to go do the dillies. OK, like go immerse the world in the name of the father, the son, the Ruach HaKodesh. Surprise, one name, four letters. That's the name he wants us to immerse people in. This is why. One of the, um, here you go, uh, swerve, barrel roll, that um, the Benish Kai brings down a hand-washing, um, not a halaka, he brings down a, a hand-washing uh, mean hog about a way to basically do a mikvah if you are not able to go to an actual mikvah. And it's using the four-letter divine name of Hashem which is one of the, the ways to permutate it. So you can spell the four-letter name of Hashem with Yodes. And what it comes out to is 40 um, hand washes is ultimately what you'll end up doing. You'll do 10 four times. And you'll spell out the name of Hashem with 10 letters. You'll do Yod Vav Dalit. Hey Yod, then second part, Vav Yod Vav, Hey Yod. Okay, so that's 10 letters. So you would alternate on the first 10. Okay, so we go back and forth Yod, right hand, Yod, left hand. Then you would go Vav, right hand, Vav, left hand, you know, until you spell out those 10. And so by that time, you alternate you've already done 20 immersions. Then your second 20 immersions, you're going to do your, your 10 on your right only. Then you're going to do your 10 on your left only. And so when you do that, that's 40 immersions because the mikvah is 40 se'ah, mem se'ah. And so when you do this hand-washing ritual or ceremony, I should say better put, this ceremony will actually be the equivalent of you undergoing immersing yourself in a mikvah. And so notice the name that we're using, the yod and hay with the vav and hay, spelled out using 10 letters. And we're doing that four times. 
you know, and it's interesting because you immerse yourself in the 40 say ahs of a mikvah three times or seven times, you know, depending on how you do it. So you immerse once and then you say the bracha and then you immerse two more times or you do the immerse once and then you immerse six more times, depending on whatever custom you want to practice when you do a mikvah. So here's our Parsha Noah connection. We're connecting the mikvah here because Parsha Noah is all about a mikvah for the entire world. So that way, when people come into covenant with Hashem, they've already been prepared. And then back to Parsha Bereshit, Captain Yisrael on this past Shabbat talked about the reason the Torah starts with a bet is because there's Torah before Torah. There's something, something that has to happen as a prerequisite before you're in Torah. So it's, it's called uh, being a Derek Eretz, you know, I'm Haaretz. You have to be a, a person who has the way of the earth. Are you kind? Are you polite? You know, do you have manners? Do you have common sense? You know, do you think logically, you know? these kinds of things. If you do any of those things, these set you up so you can properly embrace Torah because it brings down in Talmud. Can't remember off the top of my head, but Torah is either a, a potion of life or a potion of death, depending on what the user wants to do with it. If you want self-aggrandizement, if you want self-proclamation, if you want fame, if you want to use it to peddle and, and make money from it and try to like esteem yourself above the whole entire universe, the Torah is going to be death. But if you're going to be humble, if you're going to be like dust to a field, to quote Pela, shouts out to each Pela, because he's like, I try to appeal to Yomi Dote. And then he's like, what I should do is be dust to a field. Magin Yeshienu help me diving for real. Like he was dropping some ill lines like that. I totally messed his verse up. But anyway, so if you're going to be like dust in the field, if you're going to be a person who lowers yourself and you're in competition with the slugs, as Aleph Mim Tav would say, living life low in competition with the slugs, you know, living life true beyond the hearts and the and the hugs you know anyway i'm trying to freestyle i need to just share my point hopefully you get the point lower yourself don't try to get all the fame and all the like oh, i got all the insights nobody else got them i got better insights than you in your face i mean you can say in your face but like obviously you can play around because you know i was sitting around with a bunch of avengers uh for like our after Minka and uh, in our third meal time and all that kind of stuff. And we're just going back and forth and everybody's getting all ridiculous. And Winter Soldier's like sniping at close range. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? And, you know, and then it's just like, well, and then, you know, somebody else will share something and it'd be like, oh, in your face, you know. Anyway, that's just kind of the fun we have. You can obviously see that it's absolutely incredible because you're mixing fun, you're mixing Torah, and you're mixing your imagination in the mix, using it for Shem. Holler! Because again, I said you have to master your imagination. If we're going to be superheroes, and we are, why don't we take it to the max and, and say, okay, Shem, I'm a superhero for you. And the way I'm going to be a superhero for you is I'm going to study your Torah. Anyway, so that's how Torah's life to you if you lower yourself and you want to save the world by being a nothing 
and being everything at the same time because you're going to be exactly the vessel Hashem wants you to be and you're going to accomplish the mission and the purpose he sent you here for and your soul is going to totally love it because you're going to be like ah I feel so alive I feel alive and you're going to be like screaming like I am right now on this podcast because I'm I'm very excited I just I feel it I hope everybody else feels the power of us being Shuva heroes I thought about Shuva Heroes being the uh, the acronym to go with the Parsha. So it'd be like Bereshit, S-H. And it's like, uh, I, don't, I don't think that's appropriate. That sounds, sounds borderline like you're trying to say something else. Or either you're trying to like silence people, which is not nice. Because what if they have something important to say like, Hey, Amit, would you like some holla? And it'd be like, I never knew you said that. And it's like, because you told me, shh. So I don't know. But anyway, you, I don't like hollow that much. I just want to point that out. Just just want to say I don't like hollow. But if you offer it to me, I will eat it all. Anyway, so this whole name thing, back to Bereshit. So, yeah, ping pong, Bereshit, Noach. Okay, so Bereshit, back on the map. Rabbi Tonka Truck continues on to say that this, in fact, is the basis for all Hebrew words. What's the basis for all Hebrew words? that assessed fundamental nature and the identifying factors of the letters and the embodied essence is the basis for all Hebrew words. So let's talk about eights, tree, the letter ayin, the letter sadi, or as you heard it from my Sukkot introduction as Shomer Man, it's talking about the suga. Uh, I spelled the Imunat Zelem or Zelem Emunah, uh, the shadow of our faith, uh, being the Sukkah. And I totally had a Sadi and an Aleph because Emunah starts with Aleph. Zelem, which is shadow, starts with a Sadi. And I said, if you spell that backwards, it's eights. And it's like, OK, but that's Aleph Sadi. And then that's where you have to know the dictionary of the Targum. Learn the Targum meme. There are letters that can be interchanged for one another. Uh, Aleph and Ayin are one of them. So if we're talking Aleph, we also can talk Ayin. So anyway, so back to eights though, with an Ayin, like it's normally spelled. The letter Ayin has factors and things and all sorts of uh, intentions and meanings behind it. Symbolism too, which translates into actual manifested reality. And then uh, the Sadi, which is another letter that also has all sorts of elements and properties to it too. So you have these two separate things that are combined. So yes, think about H2O, you have hydrogen and oxygen. Well, you take two hydrogens and put it with one oxygen, you have water. So when you take an ayin and put it with a sadi, you have a tree. So that's how Hebrew works. And so this is why the Zohar, I was telling you, brought down back during Parsha Amor, I believe it was a more, if not, I was studying Zohar during Sukkot, just ridiculous. So yeah, it's crazy. But it says the highest thing that you can study is the Olive Bet. So for all of you out there, if you really want to take over Thanos's spaceship, like Dr. Sakal did, Thanos has a really sweet ship, by the way. We've been using it since Shabbat. It's amazing. I mean, we didn't use it on Shabbat. Okay, I'm not going to lie. We did use it on Shabbat. It don't run off gas, so it's okay. Uh, 
I mean, not gas. Um, it doesn't run off fire. We didn't have to kindle a fire to start it, basically, is what I want to point out. And, you know, obviously, you're not supposed to, like, quote, unquote, travel far distances. But, I mean, if you push a button, you just go light speed. And so it's just like, well, I mean, I don't know. If we're going light speed, we're outside of time. So, therefore, time isn't moving. So, time, how does that relate with space? I don't know. I'm really trying to find a loophole for using a spaceship on Shabbat. Anyway, maybe I don't need to find one. But all I wanted to say is if you really want to have a really sweet ride, if you really want to look super cool, again, you're not supposed to want to look cool, but I mean, it can be a byproduct that you study the Hebrew Aleph Bet and you learn these letters, learn their gematrias, learn the first time in the first place they're using Torah. There's a book called The Wisdom of the Hebrew Alphabet. You should get it. You should learn it. You should eat it. Well, I mean, not physically, but spiritually. And then you should share it with a Met. Uh, because anytime you learn something about a letter, I want to know. Anyway, please, may you tell me your insights. I would love to listen to your insights. Anyway, so seriously, I really do. I love hearing from people. It's awesome because the way... The way other superheroes do their thing, I'm jazzed. I love when Hulk smashes stuff. I love when Efrati, Black Knight, like comes in slicing with that crazy sword that he's got. I love when, you know, Kola like gets all the elements working. She's finally learning how to use her powers. It's really cool when she does her storm thing. And then, you know, obviously. So I'm super fans of like everybody. Just want to point that out. But, um, yeah. So when those things happen, you know, just please share those insights with me. But learning the Hebrew alphabet, like, oh, my gosh, there's so much richness to it. You know, when you put certain letters together, you know, the different combinations, you know, and all this kind of stuff like that is probably some of the highest, most illest, sickest above the rim with the quickest. And you fill it with the ridiculous, you know, ridiculousness. You know, uh, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, I'm getting too crazy. I need to calm down. All right. So. Yeah, letters are super amazing. This is what I wanted to say. So back to the names. So this is important with the, the Hebrew. It says so. You have that Hebrew words here. OK, so this is it has nature. It has essence. It has characters. It has the properties of the letters in it. So it says the Hebrew letters that form any name or word contain the very essence and divine life force animating that being or entity. All right. So there's that. Now, let me go ahead and just drop this because I wasn't planning on it, reading it, but it's the next sentence. It says the numerical value of the Hebrew words who shamo which is that was its name, which appears in Bereshit 219, that those two words, who Shemo is Gematria 358, which is the numerical value of the Hebrew word Mashiach. So when you truly understand your name, you get connected to Mashiach. This is why if you're connected to Torah, you're connected to Mashiach, who is connected to Hashem. Like it's this whole thing, like being filled with the spirit 
embody your name, study Torah, love Mashiach, walk out truth and righteousness, you know, all these different things. So Hushimo, Gematria 358, same as Mashiach. So when you know what your name is, you get connected to Mashiach, which means if you don't have a Hebrew name, it's not that you don't have one. It's just that it's not revealed, first of all. Also, there's this whole thing about when a mother names her child, she operates in a prophetic spirit. So your name has some uh, connection to the Hebrew because everything comes from Hebrew. All of creation was created with Hebrew. If you don't want a Hebrew name, you don't have to feel forced to get one. Because again, there is a name that Hashem has called you. And that's the that's the point. So just having the revealed aspect of who your name is, who your character is and all that, that gives you another layer. But it's definitely there, even if it's not on a revealed form. So so for those who would say, well, I don't need to get a character just to be connected to Mashiach. I'm, I'm already connected to Mashiach. I know him. it's like that's not where we're going. So please don't don't misunderstand. I'm just letting you know that understanding your name is understanding your identity, your nature, and whether it's your character, whether it's your Hebrew name or your English given name or whatever other language and culture you came from, that name is super important. So you have to understand that and reconnect yourself into the vine, you know, through that understanding, because then you'll know what your, your mission is, what your, your powers are. You know, because we're all superheroes, even beyond our character. <laughs> anyway, so just want to throw that out there <clears throat> because ultimately at the end of the day, it's like, okay, yeah, it's cool, you know, being Iron Man and things like that. But really, what am I doing with it? What's the point? You know, what's my trajectory? What's my goal? You know, how am I how am I using it, you know, and things like that. And and is it really something that really pulls me off course from serving Hashem? Because that's the other thing you can get so caught up with, you know, fantasy and materiality that you're just like, ah, whatever, Hashem, I don't need to dive in today. I don't need to study Torah today. I don't need to go to shul today. I don't need to keep the Shabbat. I don't need to wear ZZ. I don't need to eat kosher. I don't need to celebrate these holidays. I don't need to dress as new. Like you can find all these different off ramps, right? We've talked about this before that this is the be where you stand unless you fall concept that, you know, um, you could you could think you're you're killing it. And then the, the next moment you can just abandon the faith. Literally, it can happen in a moment, you know, and so this is why. You know, another encouragement about us being Shuva heroes and us truly living our lives for Hashem with everything that we got. Don't let up for a moment. Don't even like try to turn and, and halfway lift your arm and celebrate. You know, it's just kind of like because it can happen that quick. You know, okay, Parsha Bereshit. Uh, the, the weekly Parsha from Art Scroll. Uh, I believe is where I got this from. If I didn't, it came from Parsha Bereshit, some source, that when uh, Cain and Abel, which is Cain and Hevel, so when they were uh, in a dispute, 
uh, after the whole, like, oh, Hashem accepted your offering and he spurned mine. It's like, Cain, you brought this on yourself. You're the one who wanted to give an offering anyway. Like, you, di we didn't have to do this, but you did, and, and you set yourself up. Which I thought was really crazy because I'm thinking, Hashem commanded them to bring an offering. It's like, nope, Hashem didn't command them to bring an offering. Cain was like, yeah, I want to rule half the world. Hevel, you can have some of it. But let's bring offerings to Hashem. And he's just like, okay, I'm going to go out to my flock and I'm going to get a choice sheep. And Cain's like, hmm, oh, here's a piece of weed right here. Let me go pull that up out the ground and go bring that up. A little, not weed like marijuana, but like weeds, bars, thistles, thorns and thistles kind of thing. So anyway, he takes that and he brings that <laughs> and it's just like, this is the cursed earth, and you're going to bring that as an offering to Hashem. How did you even think that that was going to work? It's like, well, it was my leftovers. It's all I could afford. It's like, uh, richest man, third richest man on the earth currently, and that's what you go with? Anyway, um, maybe second richest, because Cain was actually a firstborn. Anyway, actually, Cain and Hevel were firstborns. There's all that to say. There's a lot of olive top drop on that. So sorry, swerve, drive by on that. But anyway, um, there's lots of stuff to that. Let's go ahead and just read that real quick before I get to my print and mess stuff up. Okay. Still learning how to drive spaceships around here. Okay. So we're in Boreshis chapter four. And then it says uh, in verse one, that the man knew his wife Hava and she conceived and bore Cain and then she bore his brother Hevel. So if you kind of look at the Bashad text, it looks like, well, Cain's the firstborn and Hevel. It's like, well, they could have been born at the same time, like a Yaakov and Asaph. So that's kind of the firstborn little connection that I'm dropping there. But anyway, um, the Aleph Tav, this is brought down by Stav Soldat, Winter Soldier. Usually the Aleph Tav was connected to the firstborn until the birthright was sold. That's the transition between Asav and Yaakov. Okay, so all of that aside, what, what happened in this argument is that Hevel overpowered Cain. Because Hevel was actually bigger than Cain. Just like Yaakov was the same size, if not even a little bit more, bigger than Asaph. So, again, Parsha Vayishlak, why is Yaakov fearful of Asaph if he's, quote-unquote, bigger than him? That's interesting. Side note on all that, Shimshon, Samson, big burly man, not so burly man, actually lame in both legs, and actually a very scrawny guy. Just want to point that out. He wasn't big and buff and walking with two legs like everybody thought he was. So the way his power worked is the same way my suit works, that it gets summoned and I'm, you know, it's on. So for um, Shimshon, uh, the reason why I know this is because I did a whole midrash on Shimshon. It was really cool because he, he's Tribe of Dan. Get you some. That's my hometown. Anyway, home city, home tribe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so all that. And I found out he was lame in both legs. And what would happen is when he needed to use his super strength, he would all of a sudden, literally, it would seem, as the literature would say, he would be filled with the spirit of Hashem and he would do his thing. And then he'd go back to being 
oh, I'm just a poor little young guy. Don't hurt me. I mean, he didn't really have that mentality about himself because he obviously thought he was cool. But, you know, it was just kind of a interesting thing. So anyway, so Hevel overpowered Cain. Cain was like, no, don't hurt me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I don't know why I did this. You're, you're right. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Let the creation know I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I'm not cool. Please let me up now. I tap. I submit. I quit. I'm sorry. Hevel, being a sportsman-like person, gets up from the wrestling match, turns to walk away. He doesn't turn to celebrate. He just turns to walk away. Cain, without hesitation, grabs a stone, smashes him in the back of the head, and kills him. And extra midrash, he starts biting him uh, like a snake would do. And so there's a whole connection with Cain and the Nakash, which is ridiculous. So that's midrash for another time. I don't know why it couldn't be for this time. Oh, it can't be for this time because I didn't uh, prepare that information. But it exists. And I can get it to you if you really want to be disturbed like that. But anyway, just know that. Believe that. Trust that even though you don't want to because it's disturbing. But yeah, so that happened. So uh, yeah, so that's the thing about, you know, you just, you keep forward. You go. Okay, don't let up. So, yeah, so this is the essence of us being superheroes. So, that is the essence of our name. Uh, one of the things that I want to drop in here from Parsha Bereshit is time. This is from Dr. Sakal, and this is from our Parsha, or our Project Bereshis. Um, basically, on Project Bereshis, we created a whole folder, a whole file system of nothing but insights from Parsha Bereshit. And it's ridiculous. There's a lot of information. So here's what we got on time. So it says, And God saw that it was good. It was evening and it was morning. Yom Echad. So that's our verse. Yom Echad. Now it says, On the first day, Hashem created time. On the first day, Hashem created time. Okay, time was created. Okay, and just want to point that out. Time was created. Because here's something that Benny B brings down about time that I thought was really important for us to understand. Because when we look at um, our halakhic times, by the way, so here's something for us. In our daily observance, there are halakhic times. They're called zamanim, Z-M. A-N-I-M, Zamanim. And halakhic times, you break the day up into all these portions about the, the, more, the hours of the morning, the hours of the afternoon, and then the hours of the evening, nighttime, basically. And then you got your midnight and all that. So, and you know, the watches of the night, the first watch, second watch, third watch, fourth watch, all that kind of stuff, night broken down. So, you know, when Yeshua was walking on the water, they talked about what watch of the night that was on. So all of that. So with halakhic times, there's a certain time that you begin all your daytime mitzvahs. This is your tefillin. This is tallit, zitzit, all of that. This is the beginning hours when you can begin to, to do your shakarit, which, by the way, shakarit officially starts 
with either carbonos or the corbinote, this, uh, the offerings, or your suke de zimra, depending on how you're going to start your day and, and things like that. Because your morning blessings and things like that, you can technically, you can say those before sunrise because all of your offerings are always connected to your prayer services. So like shakarit, the reason why we have that time of morning prayer is because that is the beginning of the day in the temple when they would offer the lamb, the ola, the tamid lamb in the morning. So once that morning lamb is offered, which by the way happens after you clear out the ashes and all that. So the priest comes in, goes to the labor, comes, does the ash thing, and then somebody else can take over and then bring in the Corbin. So from that point on, now you're shakarit ready. You can start bringing in all of your offerings because our prayers are the offerings. They take the place of the offerings since the destruction of the temple. And when the temple was in, um, when it was in operation, when it was built, that we also prayed the Shakari and the Minka during all of the temple services. And then Ma'ariv was just a time of psalms and different songs, which were psalms, really, uh, throughout the night to watch over the evening lamb. And that was atonement for all of our impure thoughts that happened during the night. So. Uh, anyway, so just to point that out, that there's a halakhic time for when these things start, because for your daytime mitzvahs, the, these are the things you need to be able to see. Like you need to be able to see your zizi. You need to be able to see your tefillin. We live in a time of artificial lighting, so this is never really a case. But the halakhic times are so that if we ever lose track of, oh, I'm camped out this week or I'm out in nature. It's like, well, you got to watch. You know what time it is or where's the sun in the sky and all this kind of thing. You start paying attention to nature because as we learn in this week's Torah or in Parsha Bereshit, that the luminaries that were created on day four, um, which was not day one. So what kind of light existed in the world before day four? It's called Torah is why we won't have the light of the sun, the moon, and the stars like we'll have a need for it, even though they'll exist when we have the Torah reinstated in all its full glory at the final redemption and the new Yerushalayim and all that good stuff. Anyway, so you can pay attention to nature and all of that because it'll show you the times and the seasons. So you, how you can know when is it winter? So are we going to be celebrating Hanukkah and when's Purim and all that, you know, and springtime, when is it Pesach, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You can determine all that from the sun and the stars and the moon and what's actually going on in the constellations, which are called mazalot, which uh, is normally talked about as horoscopes or zodiac. Which zodiac in and of itself is the, actually the word for the constellation and the mazalot. The horoscope is trying to do a job of reading those things, which is not necessarily kosher because you know, you're really trying to, or what the horoscopes do is try to bring in a goy mentality to something Hashem actually instilled in the mazalot. So don't really want to do that. That's kind of like what Xmas has done to so many different things. Xmas is like, yeah, don't worry about being Jewish, do all this other stuff and celebrate the King of the Jews. And it's like, well, if we're going to celebrate the king of the Jews by doing not Jewish stuff, that is, first of all, fundamentally flawed because 
as Iron Man would say, not a good plan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the whole thing about the Jewish king, he's the quintessential person, the quintessential example of being a Jew. So to say that the king of the Jews, calling him by a non-Jewish name and giving him a non-Jewish birthday and giving him a non-Jewish holiday to lead everybody in this festive celebration uh, is completely way off balance. Just study Parsha Shoftim and you'll learn this. So anyway, that ends up happening. So we have to get back to what are the mazalot? What is, because uh, that all connects to the tribes. There are 12 different constellations, 12 mazalot. They correspond to the 12 animals that represent each of the 12 tribes. And they also fluctuate and permutate throughout the 12 months, which correspond to the name of Hashem, which also that translates 12 different forms, permutates. You can rearrange it. The word permutate means rearrange. So you can rearrange Hashem's four letter name 12 different ways. That would correspond to the 12 months, which corresponds to the 12 tribes, which correspond to the 12 mazalot. So. All of that to say with time, you know, you can look in, in creation, you'll be able to see this. So Benny B brings this down. He says, like space, time can bend and stretch. In fact, this stretching of time is called in science, time dilation. Okay. It says it has been experimentally verified with cesium clocks and forms an important part of Einstein's theory of relativity. According to Schroeder, this is exactly what happened during the massive expansion of the universe after the quote unquote Big Bang. Not that we need to get into Big Bang. Uh, what is that called? Uh, semantics. But we need to know uh, there is a beautiful uh, illustration that Benny B put in this article of um, the expansion of the universe. I'm going to see if I can describe this. So this is down the page, down the page. What section is this in? He's got a video about fingerprints because he's talking about design. And then he's going, he's talking about the 10 dimensions. Creation has 10 dimensions, by the way. We only know four of them. We think we kind of know what another one. Okay, so just in six numbers, because he talks about this whole concept of six. Because, by the way, the word bear sheet, one of the ways you can rearrange that is to bara sheet, which means Hashem created with six. And uh, that is all about the six orders of the Mishnah, which is the oral Torah. So Hashem, not only did he use the written Torah, but he used the six orders of the written Torah to create. So and six is all about Mashiach, is all about Memtet, is all about man. And so what do we do with the Torah is basically what manifested with creation. This is why we're partners in creation with Hashem. OK, so in this diagram, he talks about there's a singularity, there's a point of singularity, and it fans out going upward. So it's like an upside down triangle with the point at the bottom. Okay, so you're going up. And as you're going up, you'll see the galaxies and the universes. You'll see a smaller square of it laid out like as a plane, not saying that the universe is flat, but you'll see it laid out in a plane. 
and then you'll expand up from that and it gets bigger and there's a higher plane it gets up from that there's a higher plane and so on and so forth as you go up you're excelling through time so you have this whole concept of creation coming from a single point which by the way is the kav in kabbalistic terms kav is the ray of light that Hashem shot forth into the empty space that he created when he contracted his essence, his being, his, when he did zimzum, which is the word for he contracted all of his being. Because apart from Hashem, nothing can exist. So he's like, so I exist and there's nothing else. So I want creation to exist. So I'm going to contract myself, make a space, a vacuum, if you will. And I'm going to shine forth a ray of light into that. And from there, we'll have creation. So creation is inside of Hashem, like a womb and a mother, you know, like this baby that grows. And so that ray of light is basically what created this essence of what we are in creation. And so what we're looking at when we uh, talk about time bending is kind of that um, that reality of what is actually going on. So there's these beautiful diagrams he drops in about the six days of creation and then the 6,000 years. Because you always hear, oh, the earth is millions and billions of years and trillions of years old. And it's just like, oh, the world's only 57, 80 years old. And that's actually the time frame from the birth of Adam. So sources bring that out, that we start a new count from the soul of Adam, which is why Adam, the creation of man, is on Rosh Hashanah. And we count time from Rosh Hashanah as far as natural creation, even though creation actually started on the 25th of Elul, as we learned from sources back during the month of Elul. And so the 25th of Elul, I actually have a series on that. I did a creation series, creation week. I did day one through seven. You should check that out. It's got some stuff in there about that. But anyway, so the six days are their own units of time. And so... There's this whole thing where it can be like either thousands of years or billions of years or who knows how many uh, for each day. And then we start with man and time from there. And that's how we get that we're in the year 5780. So that's how the Hebrew calendar uh, lays some things out for us. So anyway, time uh, also happens from our perspective and it's different from Hashem's perspective, which is why one day with us is likened to a thousand years with him. So, you know, it's just kind of like so when Moshe went into Hashemayim, it was 40 days on our time period. But for him being in the presence of Hashem, it's kind of like, well, that's at least, you know, 40,000 years because the day is a thousand years. So we have 40 one thousands, which is 40,000. Okay, so yeah, so and then he did that three times. So that's one hundred and twenty thousand years in Hashemayim. What in the world does that look like? So if anyone wants to discredit Moshe, you're going to have to outdo one hundred and twenty thousand years in Hashemayim and then come back and tell us about it. Just want to point that out because some people are like, oh, I can't believe you do that tour of Moses stuff like who Moses think he is. I'm just saying when millions of people heard the voice of Hashem and they died and Hashem would send the spirit back into them and resurrect them 
at every word that came out of his mouth because that was the intensity of the revelation. The people were like, you know what, Moshe, we're tired of dying. Why don't you go up there? First of all, pointing out that, okay, Moshe didn't have this whole die and come back, die and come back. Like, he's totally fine. He's listening to Hashem. Like, you know, Yeshua's breaking it down or something. And, you know, everybody else is like, oh, <gasps> what what just happened? What just happened? Who kissed me? You know, and Moshe's like, nobody kissed you. You you fell asleep. And it's just like, and welcome back. Did you do Modani? He's talking. Shh quiet <laughs> shuva hero Shh. <laughs> anyway so the millions of people were like you know what Moshe you go talk to him you go get the tour and bring it down so where were all these other candidates who dispute Moshe when that was going on I'm just saying because all of our souls are present at Mount Sinai by the way so I know I didn't speak up so I mean there's that I'm just saying Moshe said it I'm probably going to read it and I'm probably going to do it. Just putting that out there. Anyway, so there's that. So a little drop on time. Uh, back to Dr. Sakal over here, though. So it says um, on the first day Hashem created time, he assigned a 24 hour period to day and night. Rashi. This is why there are 12 hours in a day and 12 hours in a night, by the way put them together you have a full day night cycle it's 24 hours but the number of hours in a day is actually 12 just want to point that out okay so it says he commanded the light your dominion is by day to the darkness he said your dominion is by night that's from the bear sheet rabah ramban with a noon gets in it says not the first day because there is no first without a second which had not yet eventuated so there's no first without a second, like just stopping for a second that Hashem, when he created with the Torah, which is literally what Bereshit means, because it doesn't mean in the beginning. I want to stop right there because I'm stopping in the middle of a stop in the middle of a stop. That's what I do. Um, when people tell us that the Torah is done away with and we shouldn't do that Jewish stuff and all of that. I just want to point out that typically the people who are anti-Torah, anti-Semitic don't even know what the first word of the Bible means. And I'm not saying this as a slam, but I'm saying this as a point of realization. This rocked my whole entire cosmos over the Shabbat because I'm standing on stage next to Spider-Man, the amazing Chazan, and he goes, Bereshis, Bereshit. Because we were singing the song by Moshe. Bereshi bara Elohim ve'etzamayim. I just messed up all those words. Anyway, we were singing that song. Anyway, point is, the point is, he was saying, Bereshit doesn't mean in the beginning. Bereshonah would mean in the beginning or in the first. And... That means Bereshit means with with Reshit Hashem created the universe, which is Reshit. You have to understand what that is, which is the Torah. You have to understand Proverbs 8 in order to get that and then get your Jewish sources on all that. So the Torah, firstborn, Reshit, like that all means the same thing. Firstborn is Reshit. Firstborn is an Aleph Tav. Firstborn is Torah. Firstborn is what brought forth creation. 
That's why the firstborn is the one who's in charge of making new creations. Okay, so when you look at that, when people don't even know what Bereshit means, you probably don't want to trust them to teach you how to serve Hashem when it comes to whether or not you should uphold the Torah. Just say la, like for real, because I grew up my whole entire life thinking, yeah, the first words of the Bible is in the beginning. And it's like, no, it's not. It's Bereshit. And it's like, yeah, Bereshit translates to in the beginning. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It translates to Bereshit, with Reshit or in Reshit. Got to know Hebrew. So if you don't know Hebrew, and if you're not willing to know Hebrew, you're going to have a poor understanding of the Bible. Having said that, if you're a person who's filled with the spirit of Hashem and you don't yet know Hebrew, you're in a completely different category than someone who doesn't know Hebrew and someone who doesn't want to know Hebrew. That's that's low tov, low beseder, don't get you some, do not pass go, okay? You don't want that in your life. You don't want those problems, okay? <laughs> anyway, that's how we got a whole new religion called the church that teaches people to go worship the God of the universe on a Sunday. Sunday's not a real day, by the way. <laughs> uh, funny thing I should say, uh, because the, the actual word for Sunday is Yom Rishon. It's literally the first day of the week. You know, all the days of the week are numbered and they don't have a name except for Shabbat. Shabbat's the only day that has a real name. Selah on that. I was uh, having fun with Pela and I was telling him I was so tired one one Shabbat and I was like, man, I need to go take a nap. He's like, why? I was like, because my suit, my suit's out malfunctioning. He's like, what's wrong? I was like, prep day is telling me that it's Tuesday and, and Tuesday's not a real day. <laughs> and we looked at each other and laughed and I was like, that's funny because Tuesday's Yom Shlishi. So if, if prep day was like, yeah, it's Yom Shlishi and I'm like, no, it's not. It's Yom Rishon. Anyway, just a little fun with joke, a little shul humor. Anyway, um, so yeah, so it's important with time and day and all that kind of stuff. So when we look at this whole Yom Echad deal, we have the fact that there was no second. There was just Echad. There was just this unified, this oneness. Ultimately, creation is about to be, is about being one. You know, this is why in the Eleni we say on the day that he is one and his name will be one. And like we will be one with him. He will be one with us. We can all share in his divine name because that's one of the things that we're awaiting, by the way. The new Yerushalayim uh, coming down and us taking on the full manifestation of the name of Hashem, which is where we're going to be co-heirs with Mashiach. That's where that Romans verse would fit in there beautifully. Okay, because the name of Hashem applies to the Jewish people, to the city of Jerusalem, and to the Torah. Hashem doesn't share his name with anybody. He doesn't share his glory with another. So what does that mean about Jerusalem? What does that mean about the Torah? What does that mean about the Jewish people? They don't, they're, we're not considered another. We're considered Echad with Hashem. Just like this day, all of creation was here. It existed all at the beginning. You know, like us, when we're conceived, everything about who we are is in that in that conception moment. 
from that point forward, everything is just coming out and expanding. Hence why creation itself just expands. It's continuously going. So there's all that. Okay. So just the whole drop from Ramban was just like, it's not the first day because there's no first without a second, which had not yet been eventuated. So just because Yom Echad was here, we didn't start with the second day of creation, which is where, you know, the water separated from each other and things like that. We started with Yom Echad. Nothing was separated. Everything was together. Another name for the creation account is also called the separation account because the water separated from one another. The water uh, brought forth the land to spread over it. Then from the land separated out all the plants and everything. And then from the the sky and the expanse, you know, there's the, the luminaries, you know, and the luminaries separated from each other day and now night, you know, is over here and over there, you know, all this kind of stuff. So everything kind of separated out woman even was separated out from man and cola storm over here uh with her violent self is gonna say yeah because the woman's like the little piece of dough of holla that you separate out because adam was holla like hashem made him and fashioned him like holla and then you know when he made when he took the woman out from the side it's just like what we do with the the dough of holla and i'm like go sit down go get in time out go outside just get away, get out. Okay. Like that was ridiculous. So anyway, that's how she rolls. And then I got hit with a lightning bolt and a windstorm and then it rained and then I froze up. And then she was just like, don't insult me like that again. And I was like, Slika. <laughs> anyway, that's how we fight. It's cool. We didn't really fight. It's just anyway. All right. Last drop over here. Cause this is Dr. Sakal killing it. He says, earthly and human measurement of time by a clock of human manufacture cannot apply to the first three days as the sun was not then in existence. Cool. This is why in Torah, whatever time Torah says it is, that's what time it is. This is why when Yeshua was like, we're going to have a pace like Seder tonight. And it's just like, but it's the 13th of Nisan. Well, <laughs> it's Pesach because I'm Torah and I won't be with you when it's really Pesach. And besides creation came from me so like we're gonna do this whole like if you move faster than the speed of light time reverses itself and so really we're gonna be on Pesach night even though it's not gonna be Pesach night in the natural because we're gonna be in the spiritual that's why there's a special place that's prepared in the upper room that's why you had to go ask the specific person about the specific place because there's this whole thing about the place which is Hamakom in Hebrew and the place is a place that's in the place but it's not of the place because it's not the place of the place. Anyway, all of that. Bezrat Hashem, hopefully that was comprehensible because I'm just super excited about the whole time and space thing. All right, Rabbi GQ real quick. Let's go to Noach before we uh, close out with uh, a beautiful thing on. I don't even know what it's a beautiful thing on because uh, I read this and I'm like, what is happening to my life? It's ridiculous. Uh, it was from the Wellsprings of Torah. Uh, Bereshit. Yeah, it was Parsha Bereshit. So this is from Rabbi GQ, formerly known as Rabbi G-Bomb, Rabbi Greenbaum. Uh, he's a beautiful Rebbe over in uh, Eretz Israel. He's talking about Parsha Noah, and he brings this down. He says, all right, so Parsha Bereshit, 
told the story of the first 10 generations of the children of Adam establishing fundamental facts about the world and man's existential situation. Existential. Wow. Problems with language right now. The fact that we exist, that one, that situation. So uh, it established the fundamental facts of the world and our existing in it. Parsha, I don't know why I can't say that word. Sleeka. Okay. Parsha Noah spans the second 10 generations. Notice how there's this whole thing with the tens. I remember going back to our hand washing thing and our mikvah and the 10 letters of Hashem's name when you spell it out using the letter Yud. Okay. So just think about that with the generations. So you got this uh, whole thing with, you know, you can do a 40 generation study and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, Sleeka, it says the Parsha of Noach spans the second 10 generations from Noach to Avraham. The Parsha teaches profound lessons about the generations of Noach, the families of the earth, the 70 nations, their fundamental characteristics and how they interact and are destined to interact until the successful conclusion of human history as we know it in accordance with God's plan. All to follow up and say, first of all, Noah and his sons brought sacrifices that were kosher animals. So this whole thing about Noah laws, they apparently knew about kashrut and they also knew about the sacrifices and they were totally okay with bringing them. Side note. Anyway, so he finishes up his uh, commentary. He says, Parsha Noach, we see Avraham, who then had his previous name, which we don't say because that's inappropriate. Okay, so Avraham setting off in his journey of destiny, the land of Canaan and eventually the place of Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, the mountain of God. So it says that uh, this was one of Noah's progeny who was able to comprehend or who was able to accomplish the rectification of the world albeit not by himself but with the help of his progeny Yitzhak, Yaakov and Yaakov's children so that's all talking about Abraham so Noach tried to bring Tikkun to the world but he only did it for his whole family so from Noach to Abraham we get to a place of the beginning of what's going to Tikkun the whole entire world and not just his family this is why us being Shuba heroes is so important because we're trying to bring Tikkun to the world. Redemption in our time. Okay, so the last thing I want to finish is from this Torah Wellsprings drop. See if I can get this here. Uh, there's a story about a bus. All right. This blew my mind across the cosmos. Um, well springs, where you at? Don't be trying to hide. Don't try to hide. There it is. Okay. Loading up. All right. So, Gamzule Tova. All right. So that's what this is talking about. This whole thing is talking about us beginning Parsha Bear Sheet. So, yes, back to Parsha Bear Sheet for the insight that, you know, why are we starting Bereshit at this time? Why didn't we start Bereshit back at Rosh Hashanah when like everything was being renewed and like it's like, yeah, we go through the high holy days and then we come right out of high holy days and it's like, Pasha Bereshit, let's restart the Torah. Let's do this thing. 
it's going through all this stuff about all the teshuva we were supposed to make all the like superhuman stuff we we're supposed to do becoming angels and stuff on yom kippur and then dwelling with hashem in the clouds of glory during sukkot and like all this kind of stuff and then hashanah rabbah rolled around did we actually make teshuva some people fell off the wagon and some people got back on the wagon some people didn't even know these things were happening and then they joined in and then it's like and we got done with Simchat Torah and we're back into the week and then we're getting ready for Shabbat and I failed miserably. And there was this whole thing about being a person of Teshuvah, being a person who's righteous is all about the fact that you don't stay down. If you really want to call yourself righteous, if you not if you really want to call yourself righteous, if you want to walk in righteousness, if you want to walk in Teshuvah, you have to know that you're going to mess up and you're going to have to get back up. Okay. You may mess up in the slightest things, but even if that's the case, that's not your focus. Your focus is on getting back up, reattaching. There's the teaching of the letter Kuf. The letter Kuf actually spells out the word for monkey. So when you say the word Kuf, you're actually saying monkey. Monkey and the understanding of this letter is all about scaling the heights of Kedusha, scaling the heights of holiness that we are like monkeys. We can go from the ground, jump and jump off the wall and jump on the branch, climb up to the canopy of the tree. We can ascend so high just as quick as we fall. But the thing is, is every time that we fall, we should never stay down. And so there's this whole thing about, well, if you didn't take advantage of Rosh Hashanah, if you didn't take advantage of the 10 days, which would mean you didn't take advantage of the 40 days, which means you didn't take advantage of Elul. If you didn't take advantage of all that, if you didn't take advantage of the four days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, if you didn't take advantage of Sukkot, if you didn't take advantage of Hashanah Rabbah, if you didn't take advantage of Shemini Yadzeret, Simchat Torah, if you did not take advantage of the week leading into the Shabbat for Parsha Bereshit, now you have Bereshit, which is another opportunity for you to begin again. So all of this to say there's a whole thing that's rolling out and there's this beautiful picture about these failures that come into our life is going to be what this parable is going to tell us. This is what this parable is going to show us. Okay. I was going to say shell us instead of tell us. But anyway, <clears throat> promise I'm not Ashkenazi. I'm Sephardi, even though I like to sometimes replace my T's with an S like Boracies. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so it says in the Torah Wellsprings, this is our closing story. Story time. Come on. Motsi Rosh Hashanah. So like closing of Rosh Hashanah, like this is way after, you know, Havdalah and stuff. And so we're back into the six days. So Motsi Shabbos is like, Either you're just before Havdalah or you're right after Havdalah, which is where you begin your fourth meal after you do the candles and all that in the Hamavdil Bein Kodesh Lakol. So check this out. So this is closing of Rosh Hashanah. Back into the week we go. It says, B'nai Brock, 1.30 a.m. That's where we're at. at B'nai Brock and it's 1.30 a.m. after Rosh Hashanah. The 402 bus. Okay, so the 402 bus stop to Yerushalayim was full of people waiting to go home at 1.30 in the morning. Because that's how we get down. We celebrate New Year holy. Okay, 
We go to one in the morning. The party don't stop till one in the morning. The roof, the roof, the roof is on H. Okay, anyway. So, the 402 bus stop to Yerushalayim was full of people waiting to go, wanting or waiting to go home. The last bus was scheduled to pick them up at 1.15. Goodness. And it was already 1.30 with no bus in sight. They feared that their children may end up spending the night, or the rest of the morning, that is, <laughs> in B'nai Brock. And they're trying to get to Yerushalayim. And it says, many of them didn't have any place to go. A bus finally came by, but it was the 318, which goes to Rechavot. They were all disappointed. Some people pleaded with the driver to have Rachmanus, okay, which, by the way, please have mercy. Please um, make it a make an exception for us, you know, pleading with him. That's the word Rachmanus. So if you're ever in trouble or if you ever want holla, then you plead with those people Rachmanus. I do that to the wasp all the time. I'm like, Rachmanus, please, I would like holla. And she's like, oh, my goodness. Oy va boy, you're going to be so fat. You're not going to fit your suit. She doesn't say that, but I know she thinks it. Anyway, so I uh, say is they were pleading Rachmanus with the bus driver and asking him to take them to Yerushalayim. The first driver said it was impossible. He has a route to follow. But then he said, you know what? I agree. Zenachon. He changed the number of his bus to 402. So you got the 318 went down to four or went up to 402. He changed it. He switched it up. He switched it and reversed it. Okay, it says, and the crowd goes wild. No, the crowd started boarding. As they boarded the bus, check this out. They all, say all, cold, cold echad. They blessed the driver for his kindness. They wished him a good year. How do you say that in Hebrew? Gamar chasima tova. Okay, they wished him a good year. And then they said in a good kvitel. I don't know what that means. That's Yiddish of some sort. And it says, and any other bracha that they could think of. So basically, everybody that got on the bus, Gamar Chasima Tova, Nachas and Brachas, Mazel Tov, May Hashem bless you. You're like the most legit person on the face of the earth. You're like Superman and Iron Man, all wrapped up in one with a Captain America shield and his super strength and his looks, you know, all that kind of stuff. Everybody was doing that. And it says, on the way, one of the passengers asked the driver. It's always got to be that one person, right? They asked the driver, why? Why did you agree to take us? When he would probably get in trouble with the bus company. Homeboy, everything was fine till you spoke up, right? So check this out. He replied, the company was aware that there were many people wanting are waiting at the bus stop to go to Yerushalayim and that the last bus out of B'nai Brock didn't leave. So they sent me to do the run. But, but I knew that when I would show up with a 402, everyone would be angry at me for coming late. You wouldn't know that it wasn't my fault. And, and, 
that I was just sent. You would all curse me. I would show up bearing the number 318 so that you wouldn't think I was going so that you would think I was going to Rehavot and that I changed my mind to help you. As you saw, everyone blessed me when they came onto the bus instead of cursing me. I received so many Braco for the new year. I'm certain it'll be a good one. So that's the end of the story. Everybody just say lie on that because I would read the rest of what this says to, as a takeaway. But all that to say, look at life like that when you come across failures and trials and tribulations of all sorts. This is why Yeshua says, take heart, I've overcome the world. I've caused your 402 to be a 318 that's going to be a 402. So it's okay. Have, take heart, I've overcome the world. My peace, my shalom, my Torah, my reshis. My Noach, I give to you. And not as the world gives that it can be given and taken away. But what I give you, it can't be taken away. The only way you get rid of what I give you is if you give it away. So if you become a new creation in Mashiach, if you become a new person, you know, you become a Avenger. The only way you no longer be that is if you get rid of it. Baruch Abba, B'Shem Adonai, Harakaman, who is a king of the Mota Mashiach, who Chaye Haolam Haba. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech Haolam, Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet, Vechaye Olam Natabetokeinu. Baruch Adonai, Noten Hatora. Amen.